0: Hello there everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we are actually no longer in the Philippines. We just flew into beautiful Taipei, Taiwan, and it's my first time ever in Taipei. So this marks country number 81, a big milestone here. I wanted to quickly give an update about my book launch. It went phenomenally well. I launched it on Father's Day, became an Amazon bestseller in multiple categories. Even now, as we speak, it's still the Amazon bestseller in South American travel. It's actually the number one book about uh, South American uh, travel, a guidebook in all of Amazon. So that's quite uh, amazing. I'm very humbled by the response there. Thank you, everyone, for purchasing a copy. If you haven't got your copy yet, it's available on all the Amazons around the world. And you can just search for my name, Ricky Shetty, and the book's called Exploring the Continents A Family Journey to Visit Every Country in the World, Volume One South America. And we talk about Our journey to South America, visiting every country on the continent. We talk about uh, all the amazing places that we we saw, like Machu Picchu and the Amazon, Bolivian Salt Flats, uh, Rio de Janeiro, and much more. We talked about uh, the food, the language, and much more. So uh, make sure you grab a copy. And uh, while we're traveling, we love interviewing fellow world travelers and fellow authors and fellow entrepreneurs. And I have one here on the show here today. And he's actually a common friend of my good buddies. Dan, and Rachel, they've actually been on our show before. Uh, They're the founders of Blogging Concentrated, and um, I'll have a link to their interview below as well. And uh, they connected me to Jared, uh, Jared Rami. He's actually the founder and uh, the creator of 12 books. I have four currently, and I know how hard it was just to do these four books. Uh, So it's amazing uh, that Jared's actually published 12 different books, Uh, Resources, especially uh, for both Spanish students to learn Spanish and all the different dialects, but also Spanish teachers uh, to equip them with tools, resources, and support uh, to help them uh, become even better and more proficient at teaching Spanish. His website is called Speaking Latino, speakinglatino.com. He's joining us from uh, beautiful Florida today. How are you doing over there in Florida, Jared?
1: Great. 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 Uh, just a quick little fact, I've actually lived in Taiwan a um, uh, long time ago. I was a, I was a child, so I uh, lived there for about a year, and I think I was about five years old, so I remember parts of it, uh, picked up random uh, Mandarin words, but uh, I just figured I'd throw that out there. We didn't get a chance to talk about that before we started.
0: Yeah, and uh, by the way, we have a little bit of a bad Wi-Fi connection, so apologies. Uh, life as a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect Wi-Fi. Yeah, Taipei is incredible. I'm really enjoying the city. went to the night market just earlier today, and uh, just a full-on Asian city with a sensory overload. You're just trying to absorb it all, the language, the people, the food, the smells, the noise. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. I love it. I love it. Uh so Jared, why cool. don't we get to know you a little bit better before we get into business if you want to share a little bit more about yourself and your background.
1: Sure, I'm uh, from the US and I had a uh, um most of my childhood was was pretty typical. Um up until I, about five I was moving on I was uh I was born outside the US, but from 5 years old until um I was an adult uh, um Basically, you know, I grew up in a small town in the U S and, you know, it was, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, and then at uh, one point I, I got involved with, um, uh, Spanish. It was, uh, after I'd graduated from college, had a little bit of exposure to Spanish before that. It was kind of, you know, typical exposure, some classes in school. And, um, and at one point I just started studying class when, uh, at my job, they, the place where I was working actually offered, um, uh, daily classes during lunch. And so they were free when I started. And so I just, well, you know, let's get a try and, uh, and went from there. So, um, started doing that, uh, hopped around a little bit. I went back to school and when I went back to school, um, part of, uh, part of the program was to, uh, to do in-depth Spanish study. And so I did that and then ended up leaving the U S for, um, just about fifteen years. Uh so lived outside the US for fifteen years in Spanish speaking countries the whole time. Uh and then uh f- few years ago ended up back here in Miami, which is uh for me is great because it's also very Spanish speaking and 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 I, you know, I like the, the influence, the Latin influence here, but it's also good to have things um, you know, that I'm typical or, or more accustomed to in the US. So so that's about it.
0: Yeah, so you kind of have the best of both worlds. You have that Spanish-Latino influence over there in Miami, plus you have all the benefits of living in America. Uh, So it's a great fusion over there in uh, Florida. Uh, And, uh, you know, you you mentioned you lived outside the U.S. for like 15 years. For me, I lived outside of Canada, where I'm from, for seven years. I actually traveled around Asia, taught English in Japan, uh, studied in Australia. Then I came back to Canada, got married, had the kids. And now I'm actually outside of Canada again. Uh, this time it's only a year and a half, so who knows uh, where my paths will uh, take me. But I'm always curious to know the expat journey and the world traveler journey in terms of what makes you make these decisions to return and all that. So we'll cover all that. Uh, but I want to, um, again, I want to delay the business question because I love getting to the personal. So your wife's actually from Puerto Rico, and obviously that is, again, another Latin-Spanish uh, influence in your life. Uh, so tell us that story. We we'll want to hear how did it happen. How did you two love birds meet and how's it been in terms of being married to a Latino? Uh,
1: yeah. So I was uh, working for a company in South America and was transferred from one country to another. And at one point I was transferred to Puerto Rico uh, and um, she was working in the company uh, in, in Puerto Rico. And so we met there, um, but we didn't start dating. Um, I always forget like, six years, probably for six years after we met. Uh, and so we'd both left the company at that point. Um, and we would just kind of check in with each other every six months. We were friends. And so we'd just check in every once in a while and see how it's going and go out and get a a lunch or dinner or a drink or, you know, a beer or whatever. And, uh, and I want, you know, one of those times just kind of hit things off and, uh, and went from there. So, So, uh, you know, it, it was, I think it was good that we knew each other for that long time beforehand. It, uh, you know, it was, uh, kind of different from, from other, uh, experiences that I'd had, but it, it was neat that, well, it was kind of cool. So, so, um, you know, we were very comfortable with each other before we even started dating, which was, which
0: was nice. And you, like me, are in a bi uh, relationship. I am Indo-Canadian, uh, Indian background, born in Canada. My wife's actually immigrated uh, immigrant to Canada from the Philippines, so we have an Indo-Canadian-Filipino mix, and then we have three wonderful biracial uh, cute, cute, cute kids. Uh, so in terms of your marriage, I want to know kind of some of the challenges, too, because on my show, I love getting into both uh, not only the good, but also some of the struggles, the challenges. So what have you found in terms of be- being married to a Latina both the good and also some of the struggles and challenges and difficulties. But I would say
1: the biggest challenge really is probably kind of cultural language related. Um, just kind of, you know, expressing ourselves to each other. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm fluent in Spanish. Uh, most of my life at this point is Spanish. I've been speaking Spanish for Probably twenty years, and and so I'm very comfortable in Spanish. But but it, you know, even so, there's still some challenges that come up. Um, and my wife also speaks English, uh, so um, you know, it, it's not like there's you know there's one of us speaking language or both languages, and the other person not. Uh, it's just that it you know it's kind of, it it happens um, in a, a couple or a relationship where uh, they both speak the same language. Um, but there's kind of an extra component thrown in there every once in a while. Um, uh, we have a, we have a two and a half year old son and I was talking to him one day and, uh, what did I, I called him a goofball, I think, um, and my wife, my wife got a little offended for a second. She said, what's that mean? Why is, is that, is that bad? Are you being rude to him? And I'm like, no, 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 no. A goofball is kind of like a, you know, a playful term and, and stuff like that. So, you know, things like that come up, uh, just kind of random things, um, at this point. But, uh, um, on the good side, uh, you know, I mean, dating Latinas are, are, are fun. They're outgoing, uh. You know, they're energetic. They're, I would say they're, they're more, um, uh, oh crap, I forgot the word. Um, they're more cariñosa, um, generally than, uh, than, than uh, you know, than, than, uh, I would say more like your, uh, US European, um, partners. Um, I, I totally forgot the word for cariñosa. Anyway, so, um, uh you know it's it's fun and i and I like the cultural aspect uh, of our relationship our son is growing up bilingual he's i said to an app he's actually two years and nine months old and he is bilingual and he knows who to speak English to and who to speak Spanish to um, he barely mixes the two so occasionally if he doesn't know a word but um you know I think that's fabulous for for uh, and uh for any any child that has the opportunity to do that i you know I mentioned I was in Taiwan. I wish I'd have, been able to maintain my mandarin that would have been fabulous uh you know i had a i had a a, a mandarin level probably a little below a normal five-year-old but you know i, I could communicate some in mandarin and, and that would have been fun to be able to keep so you know are still going to be able to do that which is neat
0: Yeah, no, definitely. At a young age, uh, kids are able to learn language so much quicker. Like we were in Latin America last year visiting, uh, as I mentioned, all these countries in South America. And our daughter, she's the oldest, she's six. We have a four and a two-year-old. But uh, our six-year-old was learning it like even faster than me because I was learning the grammar. Uh, I was uh, quite disciplined learning about four or five hours a day. She would just out there, talk to the, the, we would stay at hotels, the housekeepers, and the receptionists, the other kids, and then I would just be amazed by her pronunciation, all these words she picked up, and it's quite phenomenal to see uh, kids learn a language without knowing any grammar, any sentence structure, and uh, just picking it up through osmosis and uh, incredible uh, immersion. And usage,
1: yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So
0: before we get into your business, I have one final question. It's about your career uh, in terms of uh, you mentioned uh, before you went entrepreneur and started your own business, you actually were employed uh, by different companies and you got transferred uh, between uh, countries in South America and beyond. Uh, Tell us about your career uh, in terms of uh, when did it lead you outside of the U.S.? And you mentioned 15 years, you know, uh, that's a huge time frame to unpack. But maybe can you give us the highlights the highlights of your journeys around the world
1: yeah yeah sure um i mean uh, I, I had kind of a typical education in the u.s um i went to went to college i studied um economics and political science i graduated uh and uh started working um for uh the federal government in the u.s for a little while and then i switched over to uh uh like a multinational or uh, entity, kind of like the United Nations type thing. Um, and then from there I went back to school, I got an MBA, uh, but that MBA was a kind of a unique program where we all sold language. And that took me, um, the program was a two-year program, like a typical MBA, but I spent, uh, eight months outside the U.S. during that program. Uh, and so from there I, I, I graduated and I immediately took a job in South America. So, um, working, it was a corporate job. I was working in kind of finance budgeting. And then from there, I just moved around in the company and I was with the company for uh, seven or eight years and it was bought out. I was, uh, let go. And, um, actually I started, uh, started another company. Um, after, after that happened, um, it's nothing related to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so, uh, you know, speaking Latina, the website and, the book and everything, um, was actually my kind of second entrepreneurial undertaking, uh, and so, you know, that's kind of, kind of what happened. Um,
0: so tell us about the vision. Uh, you know, when you had this business idea, it's one thing to keep the idea in your brain, but a whole other thing to get it out there in the marketplace. So tell us about that process when you decided to go from a traditional job to entrepreneurship and specifically with this business. Uh, walk us through that.
1: Yeah, it, it, I would say it wasn't anything that I planned out well or properly. Um, what happened was when I, when I, when the company I was working for was bought out, I knew a year in advance that I was going to uh, be let go, uh, which was uh, honestly, quite honestly fabulous. Um, it gave me a lot of time to figure out what I was, what I wanted to do. And, and during that year, I, um, I wrote my first book. Um, it was something I'd been kind of playing around with. Uh, I'd seen other people do it in other countries in South America. And I said, well, you know, let me just give this a try. And so um, I published the first book. Um, I think a month or two before I left the company Uh, and um, just kind of, it just kind of developed from there. So I I continued um, doing books for other countries. And at one point I said, you know, let me look into online stuff uh, and figure out this was uh, say like 2008 maybe. Uh, And kind of figure out what's going on online. Uh, I started blogging at one point uh, about Spanish dialects. Um, on speaking Latino and um, it developed from there where we realized that we had a lot of Spanish teachers coming to our site looking at the materials and um, really uh, looking for help to create materials and to uh, you know to help uh, help them teaching and so in the last um, let's say two years probably we've really been developing a lot more materials for Spanish teachers um, in terms of lesson plans, um, all kinds of classroom um, materials for them to use with the posters, uh, handouts with the students, uh, just a huge variety of, of materials there. And so, um, you know, that's kind of what we're focused on right now, but I definitely want to get back to uh, more of the teaching the dialects as well. Now, you know, we, we build it into some of the Spanish teaching materials, but I really think there's a there's a market out there for the person that wants to learn Puerto Rican Spanish or Mexican Spanish or Argentine Spanish uh, to help them uh, uh, do that
0: so there's twelve countries in South America, the eight countries in Central America there's several um, you know Caribbean islands that speak Spanish, and even one African country that speaks Spanish so in terms of dialect and of course Spain uh, in terms of dialects, how many are there and how do you define? It to be a different dialect? Is it geographical? Is it the language itself? Is it the words, the pronunciation? Uh, give us an overview of what it means to be a dialect, and then how many Spanish dialects are there?
1: Well, uh, I would I would say I'm not a linguist, so I don't take the approach of kind of uh, you know a scientific definition of, of dialect. I basically say, okay, I I became a, a a Spanish speaker, and when I go from one country to the next, there are differences in the language from one country to the next. Sometimes the differences are minor, like if you're gonna go from, um, let's say, uh, Venezuela to Colombia, or within Central America, uh, across the countries, sometimes they're major, where if you're going from Spain to Chile, or Argentina to Chile, or Argentina to Mexico. uh, And so, what I do, I, I just talk about the vocabulary differences that exist, the grammar differences that exist, um, to a lesser extent, the pronunciation differences that exist. And then some of the, um, I also touch on some of the nonverbal things, uh, gestures. Believe it or not, gestures are very uh, unique to countries as well. Uh, and it's not something people really uh, realize. Native speakers often don't realize that the gestures are specific to their country. So uh, um, th- those are pretty much the four areas that I like to cover. Um, and a lot of it is just the kind of personal experience. Um, you know, uh, when I get somewhere, kind of what catches my eye, what, what, what seems to me like something I haven't maybe learned before, or, um, you know, for example, and I, at this point, I know a lot of the topics that uh, vary significantly from one country to the next, um, like, uh, school supplies, the terms often vary, uh, food, obviously, varies significantly as well. Um, you know, the, the, the bad words, uh, without a doubt vary from one country to the next. Um, you know, there are, there are some words even that are fine in one country and are really bad or insulting in another country. So um, really, it's just covering a wide range of, of things like that.
0: So I'd love to help out, uh, you know, potential Spanish uh, students in terms of like, if someone wants to learn Spanish, what kind of Spanish is most useful? Is it Spanish from Spain? Is it a generic kind of Mexican Spanish or some other type of, another, another <laughs> variant? What would you recommend?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a, that, that's probably one of the, the most basic or one of the first questions that I always hear. And the answer really is, well, it depends on why you're learning Spanish. Um, if you're learning Spanish because you have an Argentine boyfriend or girlfriend, um, you know, then learn Argentine Spanish. Um, if you're going to be living in a country, then, you know, learn that Spanish to the extent that you can. Uh, it's not always easy. There's not a lot of materials out there. There's not a lot of opportunities uh, necessarily, but, you know, do as much as you can. Um, you're always going to need a, a base uh, in the language. So if you don't have the opportunity to focus on the country or the region where you want to, um, you know, where you want to have a presence, then, uh, you know, do what you can with what you have in front of you. Um, you know, to me, the object is to just, uh, If you can do it every day and you're going to advance, you're going to be, if you, if you study every day, if you learn every day, if you practice every day, you're going to become fluent at some point. Uh, And so, you know, don't, don't, don't get kind of focused or worried about learning the right, you know, Spanish, just uh, start learning it and keep going.
0: Yeah, that's the best advice. Uh, you know, you need to start somewhere and not be ashamed of how bad you sound. I'm, uh, I'm one of these just go-getters. So I'm just like, okay, I've got to learn Spanish and I'm just going to uh, make as many mistakes as possible and not care what people think. So I ended up doing presentations in Spanish. I did podcasts in Spanish. I did blog posts in Spanish. I did YouTube videos in Spanish. And that's why I feel my Spanish has maybe progressed at a better rate than if I was shy just talking to the teacher uh not uh making friends and uh, let you know when i am traveling so and now i've been learning Tagalog because we're in the philippines and now here we're in taiwan i gotta learn mandarin so and uh, there's all these variants of mandarin obviously there's mainland chinese mandarin and then there's uh, all the different provinces in china and then you have taiwanese mandarin and uh, it's like that with pretty much every language to some degree even english uh you know the language we're communicating yep. in. Canadians, sure. Americans, us too, probably speak a different type of English. And then uh, Aussies and Brits and Irish and Scottish. Uh, those Irish and Brits, there almost seems like a different language at times, even though it, it feels like it's English, yes. But I'm like, what did you just say? And that's me as a native speaker wondering that. So, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating topic, obviously, and I'd love to uh, you know uh, discuss it at length. But uh, in terms of um, what you provide is obviously your blog, your website. You also have 10 books, which I mentioned at the beginning. Ten books. <laughs> Tell us about uh, the ten books. Uh, well, yeah. you to them, uh, I know. Again, like all of these, all of these questions, you could answer them hours and end. The fifteen years outside of America, the ten books you've written, but why didn't you give us an overview of the ten books in terms of the titles and uh, maybe a few sentences about each one?
1: Um. So there are four books called uh, Seeing and then whatever the country is. So there's two books for speaking Boricua, which is Puerto Rico. There's one book that's speaking Argento, which is for Argentina. There's speaking Chileno for Chile. Uh, And then the other books are um, a little more uh, reduced or simpler, and they are called uh, like the Venezuelan, uh, or Guide to Venezuelan Spanish, or Guide to Mexican Spanish, Guide to Peruvian Spanish, Colombian Spanish, Dominican Spanish, you know, along those lines. Um, and I think there are, you know, I, I, always, I always have to go through and count, but I think there are eight or nine countries at this point.
0: Awesome. So pretty much you're covering all the dominant and uh, most popular types of Spanish. So, in terms of the book, uh, whenever I get authors on my show, I really like that dissecting the whole process because one of my big goals is to inspire others to become authors. Uh, You know, it's obviously a great marketing tool for your business. It's a great tool uh, to process all this info that's in your mind, and of course, it's an amazing tool to add value and uh, you know, bless your readers and uh, you know, get more clients and of course, make money in the process too. Uh, So, tell us about your process. Uh, You obviously. uh, busy dad, husband, entrepreneur, but at the same time, you managed to get these 10 books out there uh, into the marketplace. So what is your writing process like uh, in terms of overcoming those writing blocks, uh, uh, being disciplined? Walk us through any tips you can share with our viewers and listeners here today, uh, Jared.
1: Uh, my books are, um, there's, there's not a ton of writing. There's some writing. They're very much like, um, guides. I, and I try to the word dictionary, but it's kind of a dictionary format. Um, so there's not like a, a, a creative writing process per se, but there's a lot of research that goes into them. Um, talking to people, uh, you know, just, um, researching online, um, in literature and newspapers, uh, what's there. And, uh, Basically I just uh normally I like to just sit down and focus on that and nothing else when i'm doing that uh and and just spend you know whatever time it takes to to collect uh um everything that I want to put in the book uh, and talking to people and so it's it's you know it's tough but it's block out the time stop doing uh the other projects I'm working on at that moment and and just focus on that um and you know, I'll throw out there uh, for the audience that really cool because I actually, I don't think I've touched any of my books in four or five Five years, years. maybe three years. And, and they're still selling and, you know, there's still income coming in, which is, you know, which is in line with living the, the, the travel, uh, worldwide nomad life that, that, that you're doing. I mean, it's fabulous that way. And so, um, you know, at this point I've had books for 14 years, um, out there and, uh, it's fabulous. Um, the actual process is kind of painful by the end. I'm like, Oh man, I hate this book. I don't want to do this again. And I'm sure I hear that from everybody, you know, um, that, that does it, but, uh, uh, you know, it, I feel that way at the end, and then I just jump in into another book again. So you know, it's kind of it's kind of the part of the cycle, I guess.
0: It's so funny you mentioned that, Jared, because obviously uh, I just, uh, as a Father's Day of this year, which is uh, three days ago, I just uh, launched my book. As I was saying, and last week was uh, difficult because I was staying up until like two or three in the morning to get all the final uh, edits in, in terms of the the illustrations, the text. Uh, I was just making all these edits, uh, trying to be quote unquote as perfect as possible or as good as possible in terms of making it uh, public. And uh, it was tough. And at the end, I was just like, man, that was so difficult. I don't want to write another one. But then there's so much satisfaction, firstly for yourself as an author, when you see the finished uh, book in your hands and online, uh, but also when you get feedback, Uh, You know, people bought my book and they're reading it to their kids and they're giving me, like, feedback on, like, I had no intention of going to South America, but now you've inspired us. We want to take a family. And I was just like, oh, man, okay, this is worth it. Uh, So, uh, the other thing I want to add to that is uh, make a public deadline. Uh, So, when I had my book idea, I made it public. I was going to launch on Father's Day. That forced me to get it done and get it out there and, uh, you know, get it done. And uh, I, I made a deadline to finish my whole series. Uh, about the seven continents by December of this year. Uh, So I'm releasing one book a month, which is crazy, I think. Uh, But at the same time, I want to get it done in 2018. I want to get this product uh, product done so it doesn't, you know, uh, loom on until infinity. So, you know, and then you get motivated when you make it public. Um, Then you are more driven. And, uh, yeah, there's this kind of this whole. And the cycle
1: starts over, yeah.
0: cycle starts over, as you said. Yeah. So there's one thing to get a great book out there whole other thing to market it and monetize it. And uh, there are a lot of books that sit on those Amazon online bookshelves <laughs> and they don't yeah. get sales. Yeah. I hear this horror story over and over. People spend year years uh, writing the book and, you know, those countless hours I mentioned. And then, uh, you know, you just see one book sold a month or five books sold over the course of the whole year. And people just kind of forget it. Like you said, yeah. you kind of forget about it. So. What are some of your strategies in terms of marketing and monetizing and keeping it top of mind in terms of uh, um, SEO and in terms of google ranking any any tips there
1: i I would say um, um, and this isn't even necessarily online or, or SEO but one one of the keys I think is to write uh, a series don't Don't think that if you're going to do one book then that's the one book and that's going to make you the money and it's going to make you famous and you're going to sell. And that's it. Because you know, it's tough with just one book, the people that like your, um, and then also the effort to market one book isn't significantly different from the effort required to market a whole series of books. Uh, and so go into, go into it thinking or assuming that you're going to write several books. Um, now, and, and that applies whether it's fiction or, or nonfiction. Uh, go in with the idea that, okay, this is the first book and I'm gonna do X more, um, because then all of your marketing efforts afterwards are, uh, you know, are, are just um, added on uh, because, Somebody finds your book and then all of a sudden it's easier for them to find the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one. One of my favorite, favorite authors or, and and this happens with pretty much everybody. I think if you're a reader and you find an author that you like, you'll buy all their books. You, you don't even necessarily pay attention to what it's about. You see, Oh wow, this guy's got a new book out. I'm getting it. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of, uh, one of the main suggestions I would have out there. Um, the other thing is just, you know, talk about your book with people. Don't don't be ashamed to mention that you have a book or uh, or books. Um, you know, online, get out there and 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 promote it. Uh, nobody else is going to promote it for you. A publisher. I have a I have a publisher, or I have two publishers for for my books. Um, I do some through publishers, and I but most of my do um, self published uh, through Create Space on Amazon. Um, but the publishers aren't going to do a lot for you. They will sometimes get you the distribution now i'm talking i have experience outside the u.s so my publishers are not in the u.s so maybe it's a little different in the u.s but your publishers aren't going to promote your stuff uh they might get you into uh one or two i don't know conventions or presentations or whatever but nobody is going to promote your book like you will so you're going to have to do the legwork to to get it out there and, and to get it going and and you know the 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 sales of a a first book shouldn't be your end goal that that's probably not going to end up in 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 being anything that you're going to want to do long term because you're going to you're going to be demotivated you're going to give up uh you're going to leave it aside think it's not worth it um so you know don't go out there and and write the perfect book and then think that's the end that's probably just the first
0: step for you absolutely absolutely and i'm so glad you mentioned that Write the series kind of concept because uh I was at a trade show over the weekend, uh, you know, doing my book signings, getting the word out. And then I had four of my books uh, on the table. I have a book about, uh, uh, about marriage, about parenting, about fatherhood and family travel. And a lady came up to me and she's like, give me all your books. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, I'll, I'll buy all your books. And uh, I was just like, uh, don't you want to see them or don't you want to look at what they're about? And I was like, trying to, I was like, oh, this book's about marriage. She's like, you know what, Ricky? Uh, I heard you speak, and I was so captivated by your mission to help dads and build strong families that I want to support what you're doing yep. and I want your books. So I was just like, okay, uh, you know, bundle deal. It was a 1,000 pesos, so here you go. And, uh, you know, uh, like I, I think that's it at the end of the day, like you mentioned, when there's a popular author like Stephen King or, uh, um, you know, like Dan Brown or any 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 author under the sun, Whenever they come up with a new book, people, those fans, uh, the one percenters, they just buy the book. So I'm glad you've uh, you know, given those kind of angles uh, and tips. So in terms of your business now, Jared, uh, you've uh, obviously added uh, to your primary business, which was uh, obviously to support Spanish learners. And now you're supporting Spanish teachers. Uh, so what kind of resources and tools uh, do you have for Spanish teachers currently?
1: So we have a we have a membership where um, teachers can join and uh, they have access to just a huge range of materials that um, make make their life easier that uh, get their students engaged in class get them motivated get them learning and and, and excited about Spanish. We have uh, over a hundred lesson plans uh, that cover uh, full years of of Spanish teaching for a teacher. Uh, we have uh, all types of um, Real world uh, materials that we've collected through menus, street signs, uh, hotel signs, doctor signs, bank signs, uh, literature um, that teachers can use with their students. We have um, videos that we've created, we have uh, a huge selection of song activities. You know, songs are a fun way for students to practice their listening comprehension and their vocabulary. And so we have, I think, I don't even know, 250 different songs that we do activities around. Um, and uh, something we just launched recently, which is kind of cool, and I think is, is actually the most valuable portion of the membership is we have a private um, Facebook group where the member teachers can come in and they can interact with each other. They can ask questions uh, from us. They can uh, make suggestions to us and, uh, and um, we also uh, are in there um, daily sharing with them um, topics for the upcoming week and upcoming weeks for them to cover. And we'll say, okay, you know, hey, Easter's coming up. Here are these materials for Easter. Uh, so uh, just kind of facilitating um, their lives as, as, as teachers. One of the things we ran across was a lot of these teachers, um, they're teaching teaching um, five to 20 separate classes a week. And so, you know, if they're teaching four classes a day, five days a week, that's 20 classes. They have to prep for each one of those. There, there's no way that anybody humanly can prep, uh, for 20 classes a week. That, that just doesn't happen. And so, um, you know, oftentimes they're not doing, um, everything that they want to do, or they don't have everything ready. And, and so our, our, um, our goal is to, is to facilitate that with them and still give them the opportunity to, uh, to spend time with their families. I mean, come on, if, if you're, if you were doing the prep outside of class, um, as well as your full-time job, you would be doing, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40 hours a week of prep time. And so it's just not possible for them. So, um, my, uh, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister is, uh, um, it's actually a, a Spanish and French teacher. And, uh, you know, we saw some of that with her and she started asking us to, Hey, can you do this video? You know, we had some knowledge video editing and graphic design and, and, and images and things like that. And, and so she just started asking us to create materials and, and it just kind of went from there. Uh You know, so um, it's a it's a huge bank of resources and uh, we're continuously developing and adding stuff on. I mean, we're doing a big push over the summer, in fact, uh, before back to school. So, um, you know, that's basically what the business is.
0: Sounds amazing. And I always like to end uh, by asking our guests this question. What does the future hold in terms of your life? your travels, your business, and more. Because obviously uh, now you're in Miami, Florida, you travel the world, uh, obviously travel. Uh, once you hit that bug, I know, you can never stop it fully. Yeah. Uh, once you're author, you can never stop that author bug. Once you're an entrepreneur, you can't just stop either. So what does the future hold? Tell us about some of your upcoming projects and where do you see yourself in the next few years and beyond?
1: Yeah, um, well, um travel's probably on hold for a little while uh, my wife's pregnant so we're having a, a, another son in October so not probably a lot of travel going on at the moment um I'd love to get to Europe I've been there in a few years and I'd love to get there but uh not sure that's going to happen anytime soon um and uh but business wise um We are uh, doing uh, a whole lot with the the teaching materials for Spanish teachers. Uh, I would like to also launch a separate website where we can do um, learning materials for the different Spanish dialects, um, as I said at the beginning. So anybody that wants to learn Puerto Rican Spanish, um, we'll have the stuff for them to do that uh, and and just do it uh, for different countries. I haven't found anything out there, so um, that's kind of, from that aspect, uh, what I want to do. And then from the writing, I actually have... I kind of go back and forth whether it's two or three different book series ideas for children's books. Um, and so that, that will happen at some point. Um, I, I haven't spent any time to sit down and really think it out, but I have some, some very clear ideas about, about, um, books that I think would be useful for kids. Um, they're related to, um, kind of, uh, one of them is related to learning about Hispanic culture more. I mean, there's a huge US population um, that has Latin heritage um, and they're not learning about kind of the important uh, people from their country um, or their parents or their grandparents' country. And so I want to do some of that for kids. Um, And then um, there's also a series I want to do about uh, some kids traveling and things like that. So um, lots of projects and never enough time to do them all, right?
0: That is right. That is right. It's all about prioritization and uh, priority management because uh, we entrepreneurs, we tend to, uh, you know, obviously keep creating projects and business ideas and want to get it all out there. But it's definitely important to uh, figure out, uh, you know, in terms of that focus, 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 follow one course until successful. So good on you for all the stuff you've done, Jared. And I'm glad uh, we're able to connect here. Uh, You have your website, social media, the books. Uh, tell us about all the resources and how people can connect with you and find out more.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking Latino.com is the best place to, to reach us. Um, or, uh, even speaking Latino on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, we have a whole lot of materials on Pinterest. If you are a, a Spanish teacher looking for materials, you can check us out on Pinterest as well. Um, in fact, we even have a couple of uh, infographics about, uh, soccer and the uh, vocabulary terms in Spanish for soccer, which is, you know, obviously with the world cup going on is, is important right now. Um, got a world cup game actually looks like it just started a couple minutes ago. I think if I'm, if my timing's right. So, um, a lot going on right now with the world cup. Um, but, uh, uh, we're, we're all over social media. Um, all the books are available on Amazon, uh, as well. So, uh, anybody can take a look, uh, for the books there
0: if they're interested. And you brought up the World Cup. I've got to ask you uh, in closing, what is your prediction? Who's going to take it?
1: You know, I, I don't have a prediction And sp- after the game so far. I mean, Portugal and Spain tying, that could be okay. Germany losing to Mexico, I mean, that was a huge, huge loss. Um, you know, Russia uh, looks like they're basically qualified already because they won their first two matches. Uh, you know, so there's, um, who, who won yesterday? Was it Senegal that won yesterday as well? You know, there's all kinds of cr- crazy stuff going on. So, I mean, I would generally, I would say, uh, you know, Germany, they're a strong team. But, you know, Mexico did a really amazing job. Uh, uh, I forget when that was on Sunday. So, um, And then Argentina tying with Iceland, too. I mean, come on out. Uh, nobody expected that either. So, there's so much going on. I, I won't even make a prediction. I you know I I like the fact that all these upsets and and ties unexpected ties are going on. So I mean it's it's an exciting World Cup in that respect. I think.
0: Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean uh, when you look at the favorites, you always have uh, people picking uh, Brazil. You know, uh, uh, you know the the most World Cups in history, and then of course Germany, uh, those favorites. But then I like uh, you know when the underdogs get up there, just like in NHL, you had. Uh, the Las Vegas Knights in their first season make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. That's never happened in, like, yeah. two, uh, yeah. like 40-plus years in any sport, in any, uh, you know, kind of main, mainstream sport. So I love those kind of things when they happen. And the Washington Capitals winning the NHL. And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen this, uh, this year. But imagine if Mexico wins. Uh, obviously, a lot of U.S. Uh, fans support Mexico because of the geographic connection there. It would be phenomenal. So go underdogs that's my prediction yes. go underdogs perfect so uh thank you jared i'm glad we're able to connect here uh thanks for all of your insights and i look forward to connecting again soon my friend
1: great thanks a lot ricky enjoy
0: taiwan thank you i will i will shay and thank you everyone uh, muchas gracias amigos thanks for uh, tuning into this uh, episode from a digital nomad mastery series and uh, make sure you connect with jared make sure you connect with us uh, if you want to see about adventures in South America, make sure you grab a copy of my book or read all my blog posts. I have tons and I have tons of videos all about uh, seeing Machu Picchu and England's Falls and the Amazon and Bolivian salt Flats and more. Uh, so thank you, everyone. My next book is actually going to be about North America. And in that book, I'll be covering all the Central American countries, many of which are also Latin speaking or Spanish speaking. Uh, so uh, make sure you connect with us, daddyblogger.com. And of course, DigitalNomadMastery.com as well. So thanks, everyone, and we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode. Happy travels.